Welcome to the recap, where we recap the previous week's sermon. <laughs> That's what it stands for. Also stands for remembering Cain and his parents. Because we're in Genesis. The H is... That, that's great. Yeah. Good. Good for you, Nick. Thanks. Anyway. Okay. That was my best attempt. I don't know. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? Hi, Nick. I'm well. Thanks. Yep. Thanks for preaching last week. It's a joy. So we were in Genesis 28. So why don't you give us the main points? The recap? The recap. And then we'll uh, kind of dig into a couple questions. I did an introduction about um, longing to belong. It's kind of the story of wanting to be in a place that is home in Genesis and how that uh, leads us into Jacob leaving. So we talked about an exiled son escapes in the first five verses. Then verses six through nine is a, a scorned son or a spurned son. I can't remember. Um, strives. Like he mm-hmm. saw wanting approval from his parents. Um, and then the last 13 verses, verses 10 through 22 think was uh, a good God promises or a uh, good God gives something like that. Um, yeah. I should probably know what it is. And then concluded <laughs> by jumping all the way forward to John one. Yeah. Uh, and the text there about the angels ascending and descending and how Jesus uses that um, for that. The faithful God promises is what I said. Verses yeah. 10 through 22. So talk, I want to talk about that in a second. Okay. But um I, I liked part of your sermon was telling us how we should try and see ourselves in a story like this, which is something that I think we have to wrestle with a lot when we're reading with the Old Testament. There's good ways and bad ways to see ourselves. Yeah, descriptive, prescriptive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about that and kind of how you yeah, yeah. told us to kind of see ourselves in yep. the story in the yep. story? So I think the patterns that we see, um, these kind of arch- <clears throat> archetypes of various people. Um, we're supposed to see ourselves as like, like in an Abraham, an Isaac, and a Jacob who are prototype saints, mm-hmm. or primeval saints. They're the uh, they're the ones that are first calling out to God, that we like really zoom in on in the biblical narrative, and we're supposed to take some cues from them, and not other cues, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're uh, looking at the patterns and how they develop, which gives us buckets for. All right, where does this get picked up elsewhere? You know, if Abraham believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness, and then we see that shot through the rest of the Bible, including commands, you know, given to us in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. then we should see ourselves there as opposed to like really good dating advice is to (laughs) leave your home, go to someplace else entirely, You know, basically lay a fleece at God's feet about the first woman you meet and then bring her back and marry her right away. Right. That is not, that's descriptive of something that happened, not prescriptive. Uh, So you don't get your courtship advice from the book of Genesis or your, you know, polygamy versus monogamy. Mm -hmm. Monogamy, monogamy, monomena, monogamy. You don't, yeah, yeah. So you don't. You're not getting that kind of like, you know, you're not transposing ancient Near Eastern cultural norms mm-hmm. onto us in the West, but you are seeing how these saints, men and women of faith, pursued God, and that pattern and how it's developed is instructive for us. Yeah, in a prescriptive, do this kind of way. Yep. Yeah, that's really good, and especially when you see, like, the promises. 
um, applied to New Testament saints. You know, that's yeah. a, that's a yeah, good yeah. indicator that what we're how we're supposed to see what's going yeah, on. Yeah. In the so Old when Testament. I when I did my little thing about um, you know the land on which yeah, you lie yeah, exactly. will be yours, whether you're in Farmington, you know, Blakeville, wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's like you you take that and you say First Corinthians three, the world is yours. Romans four, Abraham and his heirs and his offspring by faith are heirs of the world and the meek shall inherit the earth. I think we're supposed to see that, you know, out in Kansas, you know, looking at the mountains in the new Testament, we're supposed to see like, all right, Jacob's the promise to Jacob finds its end in something bigger. So does that mean that you believe that in the new heavens and the new earth, it will be like Lakeville will be here? I personally do. And I think there will be a new Lakeville New Minnesota, New America, none of the political kind of yeah, yeah. configurations that you see today, but a recognizable earth for us just completely with sin having been burned yeah. off and completely like like Second uh, Peter 3 describes, I think, uh, you know, I don't take that as like the, the universe gets atomized and then reconstituted. Yeah, because sometimes, you know, the way pe- some people talk about it is it's going to be totally foreign. It's going to be remade totally into yeah. like a, a yeah. giant garden. And it's not going to be recognizable to anything that we have now. Yeah. Yeah. And, I take the symbolism in mm-hmm. Revelation to be pointing towards realities earlier in the Bible. Yeah. They make it that we are in the world as we have it. Or just like, just read Isaiah 60 mm-hmm. through 66 about the new heavens and new earth texts. Sure. And what that actually looks like and a little bit less symbolism, a little bit more literalism, not maybe entirely literalism, but it's the world stripped of sin and stripped of enemies and stripped of everything that would be a challenge to our faith sure. with God. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, yeah. So talking about that, you know, the way that Jesus uses the, in, in John one, the, yeah. the story of the ladder. And I've never noticed that before, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which is so cool. So yeah, Jesus quoting it, but saying that the angels are ascending up and down, not on a staircase, but on the son of man. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like wild. Yeah. And so Jesus is the gateway. Jesus yeah. is the gateway to heaven. Yeah. And I think the other thing that he's saying is, so if, if, God is the one speaking mm-hmm. in Genesis 28. Who is the one speaking in John 1? It's Jesus. Right. So, and it's Jesus that's saying, so it's, it's frankly, it's like Yahweh standing at the stop, top of the staircase saying, um, you will see greater things than these, mm-hmm. Jacob. And in John 1, it's Jesus standing at the bottom of the staircase saying, you will see greater things than these, Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some pretty deep parallelism um, between those two. Yeah, that's awesome. Really, that and that was super encouraging to me. Um, we have a special guest on the podcast today. We'll get to it in just him or her. I don't want to give it away. In just a second, um, but just one more just kind of final question for me and then the special guest will have a question for you. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but so if you if you were just going to kind of distill the sermon down into just a nugget that you want our congregation to walk away with, um, an encouragement, to just a nugget of truth for us, what would that be? Yeah, God's promises are always yes and amen in Christ and you can bank on it mm-hmm. regardless of where you're feelings are, whether you're uh, about to leave what feels like the place of promise and there's trepidation 
God is with you, whether you're in the, uh, what feels like the zenith of life, everything's comfortable and great. God is with you. If tomorrow is uncertain, yeah, God is with you to all of his promises for a place, uh, a people yeah. and a presence mm-hmm. are yes in Jesus. Amen. That's awesome. All right. So we've got a special guest, special guest. Why don't you uh, get up to the microphone and introduce yourself? My name is Cademan Vizbicki. Oh, Cademan. Hey, man. You came with me into the podcast uh, room today to see what, what this is about. So, so uh, Cademan, you got any uh, questions for your dad about the sermon? Um, did you do more work on this sermon than other sermons in the past or less? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, less, actually. So I feel like the text is a pretty straightforward text. Genesis 28 is, uh, there's, there's, uh, it's not as controversial as others. Like I'm preaching Genesis 38 uh, in a few months and that's about Judah and Tamar and there's like lots of ethical kind of things going on. Oh yeah. Other stuff, which actually is, I asked for these two because of the parallel between Judah and someone else in the text. I don't want to tell you who that is because oh, we're, man. we're like uh, unpacking mysteries as we go. But click, yeah, click probably baby. a little bit less. I think I probably had between six and eight hours of prep uh, total on this. So mostly, uh, I mean, and frankly, mostly just like in Logos and in accordance, just doing lexical searches. And uh, like when I did, um, you know, this is the first time that a patriarch, you know, basically issues a challenge to God. All I, I didn't read that in a commentary. I just went into Logos and did a quick syntax search. Like, hey, does this happen any other times in Genesis? So good question. Sweet. Cool, man. Well, anything else you want to add? I am loving being back in Genesis. Uh, I am loving continuing to trace these themes and patterns, this typology, especially in preparation for Revelation 2024. There it is. Obligatory Revelation 2024. (laughs) All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. It's a joy.